and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we missed you. We're so sorry. We missed you. Thank you so much. It's been lonely and sad. Lonely and sad. We were ill and getting over illness. I was mostly ill. You were mostly ill. I was. I was just protecting you. You were pretending to be ill so I'd feel better. No, I I was ill in ways that what didn't affect my throat. You were ill in ways that made it so that every three words you said elicited coughing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody wants to listen to a podcast where it's three words, cough, 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 three words, cough, cough, cough. It could be a new kind of podcast. And I, I don't want to edit that. No. So so this week we are back. Uh It is our... 100th Stephen oh King gosh. episode. We're right in the middle. Mm-hmm. This is the, the, the creamy filling of the <laughs> second season of Castle Rock. And we got some, some much needed backstory. So right. we're going to get into that. Other than being sick, how was your little break? Your mini, va- mini vacation? Your mini break? Other than being sick, there actually wasn't much to it I discovered. There was lots of sleeping and lots of coughing and some sneezing. And he had a birthday and doesn't yeah. want to tell anybody about yeah, so it. I don't want to tell anybody. And we'll just go like, oh, look, he's old and sick. And so <laughs> it's a bad combination. How I'm is not your... putting you out to pasture. <laughs> she says, and she leads me, leads me away. Well, how was your weekend? It was good. My whole, my, the last little while has been pretty good. Uh, I am dreadfully behind on arts. Yes. So that is my my one lack. Yeah, you had right a project now. that was supposed to start last month, right? It was the month of April, acrylic uh, April, and I painted instead of every day in April, no days in April. Yay! I didn't do it. But it's consistent. <laughs> it is. It was. That's what it was. It was consistent. Mm-hmm. So today I got a new toy, mm-hmm. and so maybe that will help. What is the new toy? We don't have to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> I got a new iPad. All right. Oh. And the iPad. I thought it was a painting toy. No, 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 no. No paint. Well, I have some new painting mm. toys as well, actually, weirdly, because my art snacks box came in today. I also got a new Meisen Dutch oven. Today I got, it was like Christmas. Today was like, <laughs> like the amount of stuff that got delivered today well, was explain ridiculous. Explain for people who aren't Dutch what a Dutch oven is. Well, it's not a Dutch thing. Oh. A Dutch oven is a big pot, usually ceramic. I always thought it was just a a round, deep pot with handles on the side mm-hmm. of it and a lid, but apparently, that's it, they're supposed to be like stainless steel and ceramic, or not stainless steel. Um, what's the what's the black stuff? Cast iron mm-hmm. and ceramic. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I'd just call any pot that size and shape a Dutch oven because that's what I that's right. what I was told. Uh, but this is a very heavy <laughs> Dutch oven that I got from Kickstarter, and so it's funny because it's not even filled with anything yet. It's and not it's difficult to move. It's around. it's empty and it weighs mm-hmm. nigh on fifteen pounds, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty. It's a beefy boy. <laughs> it does have a grill lid, which I'm mm-hmm. excited to use. So that came today. We picked up an iPad, and you got a new computer today. I got a new so computer that's exciting. Today, which will be helpful for my work. And, uh, yeah, I got an Apple Pencil to go along with my iPad, and that is the art thing that I'm hopeful okay. that will, will be good. I have uh, regular pencils. I know I gave them to you for Christmas so you mm. could draw things. Yes. <laughs> so, so we're good. It's like mini Christmas in May. Mm. And it means that I am not spending any more money for a while. That's fine. Yes. <laughs> so... Instead, we will hunker down and we will get through the end of Stephen King. Mm. We're barreling towards the end. Mm. I'm enjoying it at this point. There are times when it's been something approaching suffering, but not now. Well, we've got some uh, callbacks in the in these episodes. So you want to get started with, sure. with these? Mm-hmm. All right. So the first episode we watched was episode five. That's The Laughing Place. Ha, and ha, ha, ha. This is primarily a flashback episode where we learn about Annie's backstory. Mm-hmm. We see in 1994 a very young Annie who is mocked at school for clearly having a learning disab- disability. It looks mm-hmm. like she is dyslexic. Uh, and uh, Or every time that she reads something, it's in Cyrillic. 
Well, they were actually moving on the page, mm. which is what how they I guess how people sort of visualize uh I want to say diabetes, <laughs> dyslexia. <laughs> uh which is interesting and how it's been explained to me. Right. So uh so it's clear to us that she has a learning disability and apparently 1994 was still I guess a time when teachers didn't address these sorts of things and mm-hmm. made you read out loud in class if you had a learning disability, which right. is uh, deeply fucked up because you know what kids are? Uh, the devil. All of them. Each yeah. of them is their yes. own devil. Or is no. Um, so she is bullied, but she takes no guff. And from her, I think there's a bully on the bus. Right. And the bully on the bus is like, what's this say? And she holds something up. And the, uh Annie says, ouch, my face. And the bully just looks at her quizzically. And then Annie hits her in the face with her metal-ass lunchbox and has blood splatter all over her face. That's and I'm like... the best thing about metal lunchboxes. Cool. This child, a psychopath. Which, I mean, she grows up to be a psychopath, so it's not really a surprise. <laughs> uh, but she is then pulled out of school. And we meet her parents. And her mother is... Is the Oakley Dokley one. Mm-hmm. She is, uh, we don't know if she's religious, but she is conservative. Right. She doesn't swear. Uh, she uh, is a nurse. She's she, very prim and proper, buttoned down. She's also really angry. Yes. And there's something, I like the way this relationship develops between her and her husband. Yeah. In this story, because there is, you start by not really liking him, and then you realize, oh, but mom has issues that are have nothing to do with her husband. Well, they're, a, they're clearly a mismatched pair, because mm-hmm. we also see Carl, that would be Annie's dad, who is a little bit more for free spirit. He mm-hmm. does not, he, he is going to be the one that's going to take over. Annie's going to be homeschooled, and he's going to teach her. Um, he is a aspiring writer mm-hmm. he is a writer he is writing every day right. um but he does not have employment outside of that uh that's not true actually he he packs vegetables at night because mm-hmm. he likes to write in the day also it works better for the homeschooling of the yes. child um these two people seem pretty diametrically opposed. Right. Um, and there are a couple of conversations that we see over time where Annie, though she worships her dad, she absolutely dotes, or he absolutely dotes on her and she absolutely worships him. Mm-hmm. All of her thoughts about the world are formed by her mother. Yeah. It's a really strange dynamic. So what we start seeing very early on is Annie has a extremely rigid sense of morality and there is right and there is wrong and if you are wrong you should be punished and that punishment should be death yeah she so i it it creates an interesting kind of insight into her process because i began to wonder if she was raised by different people if her mom wasn't a voice in her head whether or not she'd make some of the extreme decisions that she does. It seems to me that they may be slightly coding her as autistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some autistic people do have that rigid morality mm-hmm. situation. I'm not saying that then they become psychopaths and decide that if you are if you do wrong, you should die. Yeah. And that is the... Well, what you learn very early on is that she's not afraid of physical violence. She's not afraid of physical violence. She's not afraid of standing up for herself. Um, Some time passes and we see Annie go from about an eight-year-old child Mm -hmm. to uh, this would be in maybe 2002, 2001, 2002. So she's a teenager. She's getting ready to take the GED, which is how Mm you, you know, homeschool closes out, right? And her mom makes her read to her, and it's clear that her father did not know how to teach around this disability right. uh, or through this disability. And her out loud, loud reading is still not strong. 
And so her mother hires a tutor to come in again. And Carl is not happy about it. And we do see it's clear that her mom thinks that her dad is not pulling his weight and that he, he doesn't have a real job, which I'm right. sorry, packing vegetables every night is a real job. Uh, you might have thought that, you know, your husband would go for something lofter. He's trying to write a book. And in the meantime, he is doing backbreaking labor. That's real work. Mm -hmm. So I was a little aggravated by her. She um, is a dental hygienist. Mm -hmm. We see her giving Annie a tooth cleaning at one point in their uh, bathroom, yes. which we know that Annie does for joy as well. And uh, so the tutor comes in. Uh, much to Carl's dismay. And that tutor is an actress that we know. Yes, she is. It is. What's her name? Do you remember her name? Sadie. She's Yes, she played Sadie in 11-22-63. And her name is Sarah Gaddon. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Sarah. So... Yes, she's a lovely uh, blonde woman, and she um, goes. She she gets to know Annie, and she um, starts to ask Annie if she's ever read any book other than the Ravening Angel, which is the book that her father's been writing for eight years or whatever right. it is now. And we know the Ravening Angel because that's the box from the beginning of the book or of the of the show, and the box I believe that. Do we know at that point that the baby was in it? At this point, yes, the baby was in it? We know a baby was in it. Uh, so that is her father's book. She types it up for him and reads it to him. And he says, you know, you are like hearing it in your voice, even as sort of stunted as it is, brings it to life and makes it real for him. So he like very much relies on his daughter in a, not in a creepy way, but not mm -hmm. in an appropriate way either. It's an inappropriate relationship because they have a mutual dependency. Yes. She's giving him all the support the mother absolutely will not. Um, yeah, but there's no romantic and, or no, no, sexual... No, it's, not, it's not perverted yeah, in Right, way. no. It's just overly dependent. There are a lot of ways, I think, that daughters... Parental relationship with daughters are, I think fraught with landmines and i think it's possible that the majority of daughters especially eldest daughters mm -hmm. or only daughters right end up carrying the burden of a household in a way that typically sons don't yeah you know it's uh, it's often typically typically <laughs> i'm saying typically no, i'm saying broad this yes. it can be warped in both directions as you obviously well know but like it is that trope and a real thing that happens yes, when a mother passes away. The eldest daughter basically is the de facto mother. She's in charge of the housework now. She's in charge of the males. She, and it's like, well, she's not a parent. But also, eldest daughters, especially of multiple siblings, often mm -hmm. gets treated like, right. well, you're going to do the parenting. You're going to be the de facto babysitter. You're going to change diapers. You're going to do feedings. You're going to watch these kids. Even though they didn't, I didn't have these kids. Right. Is this the, the voice of an oldest daughter? Maybe a little bit bitter mm. about some things? Yes. <laughs> but that is a thing that is true in American family structure, I would say. Quote, unquote, traditional family <laughs> structure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a lot of problems with that phrase and that idea, but that is one of them. But no, nothing untoward, just inappropriate, I would say. Uh, and Sadie, you know, tries to get uh, Annie to read Pinocchio because... And and Carl pushes back against... It's not Sadie. Her name in this is... Sorry. Her name in this is Rita K. Green. That is her name in this book. Uh, and she tries... She basically says, Oh, I like your book, but Annie won't grow if she's only reading you. Right. Like, she has to read other stuff. And he doesn't hear anything past, I like your book. <laughs> like, he is a narcissist who is obsessed with his writing and has gotten no positive feedback from anyone but his daughter and hooks onto this pretty woman who is like, 
Yes. This is good. Absolutely. <laughs> Everything you said is true, but there's also something to a really lovely woman just looking at you guys and saying, I really like what you do. You have, no, I understand that. It, it, but it, also, he's a married man. I know. But that lifeline is very hard yeah. sometimes to say no to. Yeah. Um. So. Particularly as it seems like he and his wife don't have any relationship at all. No, it. They are living separate lives. They have different shifts, essentially, and so they don't really see each other except for whatever criticism she gives them. Yeah. Um, Well, that's what we see. Well, that's what we see, but there's not really an indication given what happens later, so we should brush into that. Yes, so Annie goes up for the GED. Rita stops mm -hmm. um, coming around. Now, Rita is pregnant at this point by the Mm -hmm. time that she's getting ready to take the test. Um. And when Annie asks about the father, she says it's complicated. And this is another one of Annie's black and white moments. Why is it complicated? It's well, he's either a good man or a bad man. Or a dirty boy. And you're and you're good, so yeah. it's not complicated. And of course, we see the look on Rita's face, and we know because we've seen any media ever that that baby belongs. It is her sister. That yeah. baby is her sister. Uh. And she gets the GED, she passes the GED. Oh, but before she takes the test, actually, I should say, uh, her dad moves out. Mm -hmm. Doesn't say anything about seeing anybody else or any other reason, just he needs to find who he is. It's the searchers and seekers thing Mm -hmm. again, and he's a searcher. Or searchers and settlers, excuse me. Searchers and seekers are the same thing. <laughs> so is this? He's a searcher, and he's going to go search for what he needs, uh, even though he'd always told her what he needed was her, and she was his laughing place. Right. Hold that in your thoughts. Uh, she passes the GED, and she calls her dad to tell him, and uh, he's excited. And meanwhile, we see mom in the background. And mom's been drinking, drinking vodka heavily. Mm. She's clearly deeply depressed. They go out to look at a college that's nearby, a community college that's nearby. And Annie's really excited about the community college because they have a creative writing course. And she wants to follow in her father's footsteps. And her mom is like, why don't you want to go farther away? Like, go, why don't you want to get out of here? Why do you want to get stuck in this place? Mm -hmm. She's clearly, once again, clearly deeply depressed. And um, on the way back, she decides to take matters into her own hand, lock them into their car, and drive into a river. Uh, I don't, here's the thing about me. I don't know if we've talked about it on this podcast. My deepest and greatest fear is... It encompasses a bunch of things, but cars in water is one of the things. Water where it's not supposed to be, cars where they're not supposed to be, boats where they're not supposed to be, like, anytime the things that are supposed to be in water aren't, or Mm. water is in the street, or cars are underwater, all of that stuff, I don't handle it well. Or Godzilla drops a fishing boat from his mouth on top of a sushi restaurant. that fishing boat, I don't like to, the underside of a boat Mm -hmm. makes me uneasy. Right. Seeing the part of the boat that's supposed to be in the water, dry dock, no thanks. Like, I just, I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, So, Annie survives, but her mom does, in fact, pass away. No. Excuse me. I would say at this point, I would add that the mother's a narcissist as well. Yes. Because she really does believe that she somehow is performing a mission in rescuing her daughter. Well... And taking away that right to make a decision from her. Not a narcissist. Almost like like an avenging... Like a saving... What do they call them? The the angel of death. Like... Mm. She's like, this girl is not going to get out of this town. She's going to have a small life, and I might right. as well just save her from the small, pathetic life that I've lived by just ending it for both of us. <sighs> That's kind of what, what made me really harbor feelings against the mom, is that she doesn't do anything to change her life either. She just absolutely goes along with it to say, almost as if the suffering is giving her her reason for existence. 
Well, I think she's also a woman who, I'm going to say, the woman of her age in the early 2000s probably does not feel like she could start over. Mm-hmm. She's like, I've, I have what I'm going to have, and I'm never going to have any more. Right. Uh, now we know that 40 is the new, you know, five. So you could have a new career at 64, whether I you want so. to or not. Right. <laughs> um, it's disappointing. Even if all you want is to be retired. Right. It's disappointing <laughs> how retirement is, you know, further and further away these yeah. days. Yeah. Uh, but I think that that's, that's what it is. Also, she's clearly deeply depressed and right. she is not able to see past that. Mm. Um, but yeah, don't take someone with you if you're going to no. commit suicide. That's tacky as shit. So, uh, her father comes back to stay in their house Mm -hmm. and live with her. Three months later, um, he's trying to get her to fill out, uh, college applications because he still does want her to like Mm -hmm. have a life. And, um, one day she's, he's setting up for dinner and there's extra place. Yeah. And she says, is someone coming? And she says, to someone's actually. And Rita shows up with the baby. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So at the table, he says, you know, we're in a relationship together. And Annie, math was never her problem, she says. She's, they all, everyone at this table knows Annie is very smart despite any reading difficulty Mm -hmm. she has. Her brain is sharp and she can figure things out. So she understands instantly that he has cheated on her mother, this baby is her sister, and that both of these are bad people. That is what that is what she could that is the realization that she comes to inside of herself. We see Rita moving in with the family because apparently Rita and Carl are good together. Yeah. You know, he never lacked as a father, for sure. And finally, he finishes the book. After 12 years, he finishes this book. How's it feel? This is something very interesting, too, because we see a party, and it really lets you know that there's something that absolutely Annie's mom was right about, which is that this guy is a dreamer. Oh, yeah. Because his first impulse is to hand away copies of this book that he's spent all these years on. He wants to get it out, which we do, too. We put right, copies of your book in those free little which libraries is fun, and stuff. but at the same time, you know, it's just, you know, I have 400 copies. I'm just going to give them to everybody. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, I don't think he sees this as a career. I think it's like this is No, he sees it as a career, but he's also in, in Bakersfield, California. Mm-hmm. He has no agent. All the best authors come from Bakersfield, California. He has no agent, and mm-hmm. he talks to somebody who's very interested, but it's not anybody right. who with any pull in the publishing industry. He doesn't know how to right. go from having written a book to being an author, so a published author, right? So, yeah, and, he, and it is a little bit fly-by-night. But he yeah. also did finish a book, which right. is not easy to do. Oh, um, tell me about it. So they have the party, and then that night um, she's up in bed and she's reading the book, the mm-hmm. copy, the copies oh, of the book that they, yeah. that they had printed. And she gets the last page, and the last page has a dedication, mm-hmm. which reads, to my laughing place, Rita K. Green. And that's it. That's it. Annie is broken. We have broken her. Um, she... There's like literally a snapping sound somewhere in the background that comes from something else. But yes. It might as well just be her heart literally ripping in half. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, that was hard to watch. So she goes up. She's in a rage. He goes up to see what's going on. She pushes him down the stairs, and he gets impaled on the banister. Mm -hmm. And she keeps trying to pull him off the banister, which is just three times of me going, that's not helping, that's not helping. (laughs) And it does help to kill him. Right. It depends on what your goal is. Just so much blood coming down. Rita comes out at the noise and says, Annie, what did you do? Which is fucked up. Well, but because it's not like she's standing over him with a knife in her hand or whatever. If he fell, 
which he did do. I mean, she pushed him. Right. But she also pushed him away from her. She did not push him. Like, she did not maliciously push him down the stairs. Right. She, he went to grab her, and yeah. she was, she didn't want him to touch her. And she pushed him. And it worked out badly for both and of them. Technically, it's his fault that he never really finished the repairs on this attic. Yeah, uh, we've been seeing the 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 what is that stuff the inside of the mm-hmm. walls the whole movie he it's been eight years or whatever right. and he's never f- drywalled anything it's Apparently, just empty framed walls strangely he's a better author than he is um, kind of a home improvement guy at least he finished that right uh, and then she but here's where Annie takes a turn. She ends up grabbing some scissors and stabbing mm-hmm. Rita in the stomach. Right. Repeatedly. And then she grabs the baby, whose name is Evangeline. Evangeline. And she grabs the box that the Ravenous Angel um, manuscript is in. And she runs. And this is where we had entered the episode. Right. So, in the present day, we see Joy reading through the story and sees that it's dedicated to Rita Green. And she uses her new Google Foo to look up Rita. And she calls a couple of people and she calls one woman and says, is this Rita Green? Do you, have you ever heard of The Ravening Angel? Or do you know the book, The Ravening Angel? And she gets to, who's this? At which point she hangs up. Then. We get Annie in the bar, which is where we left her. Right. Annie is, um, she thinks that everything is sort of destroyed. She thinks she's going to lose her daughter, who's not her daughter. Her sister, her daughter, her sister, her daughter. (laughs) But different. I made a Chinatown joke earlier. I just made another one. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Chinatown. (coughs) Uh, And... She is drinking Mama's drink, which is just vodka rocks, which Annie doesn't drink, so this isn't going to go super good. And who comes in to sit next to her? Our buddy, not Ace. It's Ace's body. It's somebody else inside. Can we call him Deuce? Yeah, we could call him Deuce. I don't know his name in the show. I don't know his... Because there's kind of two of them. Yes, that's true. Uh, so he sits down with her, and they're laughing. Wait a second. Is that in the next episode? Either at the end of the, or beginning of this episode, or the, or the beginning of the next episode, or the end of this episode, they're laughing together, because she's like, I'm not sorry, you know. Right. And he's like, what about? And he goes, she goes, killing you. And he goes, oh, that's a good dream. A lot of people in this town have had this dream. So he's sort of playing along with yeah. her, right? Uh, how'd you do it? And she goes, ice cream scoop right down the gullet. And they're laughing. Mm-hmm. She's drunk. And he's, you know, getting the lay of the land, drinking wine, because that's what he drinks now. That's what, yeah. And uh, and he's like, well, that's creative. I'll give you that. Like, it's it's that kind of a thing. So that's. Maybe, though, I think maybe that's the beginning of the next episode. I think this one just closes with he sits down next to her and she doesn't see him yet. I right. think that's how this one ends. Oddly, he escorts her home. We'll get into that in the next episode. So that's the <coughs> end of The Laughing Place. That okay. is our history lesson. This is where we know who Joy actually is. Right. We know that Rita, Joy's mother, is actually alive. And we know that all now... It's going to come to a head, right? Like, now we're going to get going. Uh, So, episode six is called The Mother. And we start with the mother. We start with Rita, and she's at group therapy. She was an alcoholic and an addict. Mm -hmm. Um, She is also in New York, we find out. So, relatively close to where Annie and Joy are, and relatively far from where the worst possible thing that could happen to somebody right. happened to her. You know, she's getting, I think, her four-year chip. Mm-hmm. And she talks about, you know, a lot of you know what happened to me. It was in the news, especially back, uh, you know, out west, which is why I came back here. 
and then she would turn, she walks home to her mobile home. She's wearing very plain clothes. She looks like she probably works retail or a factory job or something. Right. Something very blue collar, very, you know, not high paying, not high status. She's not in education anymore, clearly, uh, which uh, being an addict can really right. fuck that up for you, especially if she was ever picked up on anything. Um, and then we see her. She is. What is she doing? Is she doing, is she doing like an art project or something? It, well, she has um, a board where she's tracing all the evidence about her. She does up in the back. But, she, oh, she's drawing is what she's right, doing. she does that. She's drawing when we see the phone ring, and mm-hmm. that is when Joy calls her. So that is the moment of crossover for her, for, uh, for us. And she heads over to her, yeah, her uh, serial killer wall. Mm-hmm. And picks up a pinned picture of Annie and moves it to Castle Rock because she looks up the, or the the name is Chance's real name, mm-hmm. and it's his Castle Rock name. So she moves it over to Castle Rock. So then, yeah, then we see the back and forth between Annie and Ace, and uh, Ace brings her home and leaves her there. And I'm like, doesn't he need dead bodies? Isn't that like their whole deal? We find out why later on. Yes, we do. Uh, Nadia questions Abdi about... Uh, so Pop leaves had left a message that was like, I'm sure you've talked to Abdi. Five years is a long time to hold mm-hmm. this secret. I had to hold it for you even longer, which means that he outed Abdi to Nadia as having known this terrible thing right. about their parents or their mother Never. and not telling her. And... Uh, you know, she's throwing his shit out of her house, basically, when he comes home and he's like, what the fuck is going on? And he's like, she's like, you knew this and didn't tell me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, you would have thrown his money in his face and I wanted to see you with a doctorate or, or with, a, right. with a degree, a medical degree. Like, that's why I didn't fucking tell you because you're too fucking proud. And you were at Harvard and I wasn't going to fuck that yeah, up. Exactly. Like, which is a hard fucking decision. It's his reasoning, and but his reasoning makes perfect it sense. It makes sense. I think it's probably the reasoning. It's probably what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she's like, what happened five years ago with you and Pop? You were thick as thieves, and then, like, instantly right. you weren't. And he's like, I think you know what happened. And then he's like, you know, Pop didn't tell me. Was it Ace? Ace told him. Right. Because Ace, fa- it was right after the scene that <clears throat> we had seen where... Uh, Pop had said, you're going to get the mall. Mm-hmm. Ace found out that he wasn't going to get the mall right. and told Abdi to fuck with him. The fact that Ace knew was a little fucked up. Does Chris know? Because then Nadia goes to Chris's and Chris isn't Chris anymore. So yeah. this is very fraught, that whole scene with them. I'm he like... conked in the head of the monstrum. Um, and she doesn't presume that Chris knew. Right. But I would presume if Ace knew and was just going to fucking say it to somebody. Ace and Chris are so different, though. They are. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that Ace would tell him. I don't know that Abdi would have a reason to tell him. Although, if if Ace knew that Chris and Nadia were hooking up, though, I mm-hmm. bet he would have told yeah. him. Because Ace is a... Destructive. He's destructive. And if he can't have, then nobody gets. I think that is... Sort of his uh, raison d'etre. So, meanwhile, we see a couple, just a couple that we don't know, murdered Mm -hmm. in their home. uh, And and Ace brings them back to the Marsden house and shuts them in coffins. Uh, And then Rita gets off a bus in Castle Rock, much like Andre from the first season. Andre Holland, his character's name wasn't Andre. Uh, and she goes to the uh, the mobile motorhome, motor, mm-hmm. motor court, I want to call it, the lodges where they all are living. And she questions Chance about Joy. And Chance is like, I've got a stalker. I go through phones a lot. Right. I didn't call you. I don't know who it is. She knows... She's she she. There's a picture Chance of is a Annie. Ambiguous as a person, I think. 
I think Chance is protect. I think Chance likes Joy. Well, obviously, yeah. And I think Chance is trying to protect her. Right. Uh, she doesn't want her to be around Annie because she doesn't trust her either. Nobody. But should. she recognizes Annie from this photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think she gets an inkling about what might be going on. Although it's this is like one of those things where you see it in a movie and you're like, well, of course. You know, she was kidnapped as a baby, right. and this is her sister. But if that happened to you in real life, you'd be like, holy fuck. Like, how? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, she's real cagey and won't say anything. But she's offered $500, and the other one, Vera, I believe is her name, uh, in, is in the lodge and goes and finds... Uh, Rita mm-hmm. and says, "You said you'd give a five hundred dollars. Here's where Joy is. Because Joy is at a halfway house at this right. point. She's she's there. Uh, Nadia has left her off there because she can't. That's not appropriate. The state is going to need to get involved. Child welfare is going to need to get involved. All sorts of people are going to need to get involved. Annie comes out of her house and sees Rita walking towards her." She panics and runs around to the back of the house. And then we see, oh yeah, this is when Chris wakes up. And Chris mm-hmm. had been left, led out of Pop's wake by Ace. And he's been turned. And so now they're talking about the work that they need to do and how much more is left. They're setting up something to happen on the 400th anniversary of Castle Rock, which is coming up, which we had seen. That's what they were planning for in the bar at that city council meeting in the bar, which once again, Classy. Uh, and it's that kind of time. Uh, back in the basement, the coffins are opened, but only the male is there. The woman is gone. And the other one is stumbling around outside and runs directly into Nadia's car. And she takes her to the hospital, and the nurses are trying to figure out what happened. Um, and there's they do a blood typing on her and she's got two different blood types in her body. Uh, now the conversation that we heard between this couple before they were unceremoniously murdered was I'll marry you. If you can get me good medication, I need drugs. I need, you know, pills to keep the depression away. It's hard to live in the world and I need drugs. And so later they have a converse, there's a conversation where it's like this didn't take because of the chemicals in their it's bodies. It's effectively blocking, and it's the transformation process is disgusting. It is disgusting. It involves <laughs> copious amounts of Goop. ectoplasm, yeah, and being locked inside of a coffin. Yes. So yeah. well, you're dead. To be fair, but the waking up must be pretty. Wretched, right? Because there's a lot of that when they wake up. It's it's okay. It's me. I'm here. I'm so and so because I clearly don't look like the person that you th- expect to see because I'm in this other person's body. Uh, I like how they identify themselves. It's like I'm not sure that it's like they're f- putting souls into bodies and not really sure which of their original cult, which is what we're guessing is going on. Yeah, is actually inhabiting this body, so they have to like call themselves out. I'm. Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod. Well, but know. it's not, it wasn't even that. When when Chris's body wakes up, mm-hmm. he's looking into the face of a, a person that he recognizes because they still have their own, the memories of the body. Mm-hmm. They have to, or Ace wouldn't be able to drive, right? Right, right. Or, or function out in the world. But they, but they also are looking at somebody who they knew in a totally different body 400 years ago, it turns right. out, right? So it is a lot of, I'm such and such. This is the form Mm -hmm. that I am now in. And they are saving the best for last. And the best for last is me. Her name is Amity. And she's the the head head witch in charge, I guess. Well, I like the fact, again, they're they're not witches. They're Satan worshippers. That's true. I like the fact they're making that distinction. Well... That's the distinction that Pop made. We right. don't have any distinction for what, who, and what right. they actually But when were. there's a, during the uh, town meeting, when people want to attract people to the ghoulish history mm-hmm. of the town. I know. 
he makes it very clear. Which, Pop makes it clear. I, I like that distinction because we see that in horror movies. You don't often make that distinction. Yeah. No, these are not no that's just, true. As somebody who was a neo-pagan for a period of time, it was very frustrating where I was like, that's not witchcraft. That's not witchcraft. Right. <laughs> that's not witchcraft. <laughs> Can I say it again? Once more for people in the back, all the shit that, that's called witches in anything made in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, not witchcraft. <laughs> well, it was helpful the church could designate anything witchcraft. I know. And so... But it's a right, misnomer. Because it, it was not really well defined. Like yeah. heathen, what does that mean? Uh, one who lives in the country. Yes. Like that's what That's literally all it I means. I see a connection. <laughs> I've written papers on these subjects. Uh, but so, and we hear that Ace lets tell that, uh, Amity's going to get Annie's body. Annie made herself known and it's because Annie killed him. Yeah. Like it's that he wants that was the catalyst. That was the, well, not the catalyst, but like, that's why he knows she's the perfect body for, for Amity, for Amity which is a weird thing to say <laughs> for me specifically. I can't wait till we watch something with a Lemuel. We have. I know. Wait, not in this. No, not in this. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, and you have to talk about it, maybe, is my caveat. <laughs> uh, so so the, the, the plan is going to be to switch her, but only on the day, like the 400th anniversary, the day. It's mm -hmm. like the big day. And... Um, we do also go back and see that Nadia finds the girl missing from the room. Right. The hospital room, and she's been taken back to the Marsden house. Right. Which is uh, effectively the hatchery. Yes. Or the basically. incubation uh, yeah. house for all the incubator, which is. But they're also awesome. making the place over to be something else after they're done, because right. this is a finite process, As right? As we learned from Salem's Lot, the house is sort of imbued with evil. Yes, yes. So yeah. it's the perfect condition. Yeah. Now, then we see Annie going to the group home to talk with Joy, but uh, she gets there and the secretary says, she's meeting with her mother. Who are you? Right. Oh, no. Joy and Rita are talking to each other. And uh, Annie heads home and writes a letter to Joy because she understands. Like, she saw Rita. She knows what's going on. They meet in the middle of the woods uh, set up by chance and... and uh, protected by chance mm -hmm. and it is that there are a couple of meetings I guess there was a previous one the day before or the, the episode before where Joy is reading the Ravening Angel she's reading it on the computer mm-hmm and Abdi has to run an errand, and she's and he comes and he's like, "I've got to go out for a minute." And she's like, "I'll I'll be fine here." And he's like, "No," and <laughs> then she, he puts her in the car and they go out to his work site where they've you know where Ace's body was dumped originally. And while she's in the car, we see a a body coming very quickly towards the car, walking with purpose, mm. right? And I had thought that that was Ace, but mm -hmm. it wasn't. It was Annie. And then it cuts to commercial, and then it cuts back, and Annie's in the back seat of the car talking to Joy in the front seat of the car. And I'm like, so Abdi was so worried about this conversation, or her being around her, that he made her come all the way out here. But did nothing to stop this meeting. Like, and there's no scene bridging it. Right. There's no negotiation where Annie's like two minutes. There's no Abdi pulling a gun on Annie, which is a scene I enjoy. I, every time it happens, <laughs> I'm like, that's hilarious to me. Um, there's none of that. It's just this weird. Then they're talking in the car, and then this one, there's that this meeting is brokered, and they're talking in the forest, and she takes the letter. And she says, there's nothing but truth in that letter. That's that's what's in the letter. She's a nice change. Right. <laughs> Compared to literally everything else that she's ever told Joy. Uh, and she heads home and finds Rita sitting at her table, playing the voicemail from Joy, thanking her 
and refusing to leave with her. So Rita wants to take Joy home with her mm -hmm. and says she'll call her Joy. She She's not a different person. She's like, you're exactly who you were. Nothing about you has changed. And I will accept you mm -hmm. as you are, right? But Chance is like, fuck it, let's just run. I've, I know a place in North Carolina. It's off the beaten path. I, I have a step-sibling that'll let us stay there for as long as we want. And Joy is like, fucking sounds good. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, Joy, get away from all these bitches. Like, you don't need any of this. You've got her phone number. You can reach out when you're prepared. But at 17, you don't need any of this. Or 16, you don't need any of this right now. I do feel sorry for Rita, though. I do feel sorry for Rita, because all Rita... Yes, yes, that's the thing. So she goes, and she's got a gun, and she's in Annie's house, mm -hmm. and she walks with Annie out to the woods because she's fixing to kill Annie. And they ha do have some really interesting conversations. Um, and it ends with... That's the other thing is, once... Joy reads the letter from Anne mm -hmm. or Annie. She wants to go back to her. She at least to at least say goodbye, but maybe to, to stay. It's unclear. She goes back to the lodge. Right. And they're not there. Uh, and then we see that, yeah, Annie and Rita are out in the woods. Uh, Annie is at Rita's sort of what's the word like at, she's at, being held at gunpoint she's, right. so she's at her I don't know she's taking her hostage effectively yeah yeah so uh, she's they get I'm trying to figure out the order of operations. They get out to the, like, to a, a an empty space out in the woods, although it's not that empty. They're on a pretty wide fucking hiking trail. I'm like, y'all are going to get caught. Like, it's nighttime, but still. Um, and I think she has Annie get on the ground. Mm -hmm. Like, she's going to shoot her execution style. And, uh, oh, she throws, I think she throws dirt up in her face. And Annie's able to run away. And Rita fires, and then it looks like she's going to be able to shoot Annie, and then all of a sudden, Joy comes up behind Rita and shoves the syringe in her arm. And then Rita drops the gun, and the gun goes off, as a gun will do. And then it's like, okay, well, who got shot? And of course, Rita got shot. In the stomach. In the stomach. Which is the same place she got stabbed. Yes. And she had said, I don't know if she said as she's sort of dying mm -hmm. or if she had said it as they were walking, that the worst part was that I had to hope you were a good mother because otherwise she'd be dead. Yeah. And I'm horrible. just like, that's why you become a fucking addict, right? Like to hide from that because that's. And we know terrible. perfectly well that um, Annie was willing to kill her to start with. Yeah. So that's the yeah. thing. That is the thing that we we see both in the previous episode and via the letter in this episode mm -hmm. is that Annie had taken her to the spot that his her I, it looked like the same spot that her mother had driven off mm -hmm. into the river, and she was taking this baby to the river to drown both of them, mm -hmm. and then Joy. Evangeline at that time laughed and it like it gave Annie a purpose yeah they're gonna have to deal with that eventually but meanwhile so the gun goes off and mm. then whoop whoop because cops always the cops come out and say hands up hands up drop the weapon and at this point Annie is holding Rita's stomach mm -hmm. like she's putting pressure on the wound so she can't really put her hands up. Um, the gun is on the ground. Uh, I believe the syringe is probably still in Joy's hand, but she should fucking drop that shit. 
And immediately, well, not immediately, after they are told to put their hands up a number of times. And I think it is hard for Annie to determine whether she should do that because she knows right. if she takes her hands away, then Rita's going to bleed out, which is why hands up when there's clearly something like that going on is not maybe the best. I understand why you would want that, but also this woman's going to bleed out. But I guess maybe you don't give a fuck about that. That's possible. If you were going to get shot, I guess you deserve to get shot then. She just starts, Annie immediately puts her hands up and immediately starts yelling, I did it, I did it. Because Joy mm-hmm. is already freaking out, like, what did I do? Right. What did I do? And Annie just immediately is like, I did it, I did it. I did this, whatever it is, I did it. <laughs> Meanwhile, in, 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 in interstitials, we do see Nadia, who kind of just wants to fucking take the fuck off. She mm-hmm. doesn't really feel like she needs to be here. She doesn't need to be around her brother anymore. She's not going to stay for Pop. She wants to get the fuck out of here. And right. she's with Chris, who's not Chris, drinking wine. Mm. And that's where we leave her. And I'm like, precarious position. Are they going to kill her? I hope not. She's so pretty. Uh, and then that's... It's pretty much it. it. <clears throat> That's it. It ends with her, with Annie, hand, bloody hands in the sky, yelling, yeah. I did it. So that's the end of The Mother. Like, yeah. in more ways than one. Uh, so, what did you think about these two episodes? I, I like the episodes. I like having the backstory. I like being informed as to what's going on. It really, for me, took away any last shred of sympathy for Annie Wilkes. Yeah, I could see I mean, that. there's just, there's nothing left to her. And it's, you want to, when you're watching her growing up, trying to say this is what formed her, that's what formed her. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, she's constantly breaking her own code. Yes. All the time. And despite part the, of that is mm-hmm. survival. I will right. say that. But what she's doing is that, you know, the one, as I, I said, I feel the most sorry for is Rita because Rita just wanted to live her life and this woman kills her husband, tries to kill her, and then steals her baby. And it's very much that there's a, a clear parallel between the way that um, Annie's mom just decides, well, I'm going to make the decision for both of us. I'm driving this car in the river. Yeah. And the way that Annie decides, well, these people are not good enough to raise this child, so I'm going to drown it. Well, that was the other thing. It Well, it wasn't even that. It was just, I'm taking everybody with me. There was the other thing about Pinocchio, right? So the mm-hmm. first book that Rita has Annie read is Pinocchio. Pinocchio. And she gets, by the end of it, she's reading so much better. Like, it's clear that Rita right. is a good at what she does. And, and the fact that she passes the GED with a 404, which we didn't say right. either. But what... What needs to be, uh, what I should have talked about then, too, was there is a point at the end of the book, which is when Annie is like, he turned into a boy. Mm. And Rita's like, yeah. And he goes, well, why why did he get a reward? He was bad. And Rita's like, well, he, you know, worked really hard and, and uh, you know, redeemed himself or whatever. and. Right. And was rewarded. She's like, no, he's a liar. Right. And he should have been punished. And Rita's like, well, well, what do you think should have happened? And she just, they should have killed him. Before he was even a real boy, she wants to take away his life. For being a liar. Right. For being a liar who never killed anybody. I'm pretty sure Pinocchio doesn't is not a murderer. <laughs> I don't remember that story. So then that was my thing. I was like, so if being a liar gets you killed. Mm-hmm. That's your punishment. You've killed, you think, two people. I'm also wondering, does Annie know that Rita's alive? Because Annie has Googled herself, so she must know she's up for murder for one person and attempted murder for the other. I think that she's aware, and that's the reason for these elaborate procedures, running away. Running away, that's true. Although she's, I mean, she's on the wanted list. Like, she is... Very much on the land, but she must have known that Rita was still alive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Because I was like, because we know that she's looked up her record and things like that, so she must know what she's up against and and all of that. Yeah, I really like these two episodes. They went by super fast, even yeah. though they were not short. They were both pretty long. Uh, it. I think that the flashback episode was long enough and told enough of the story. 
Yeah. Sometimes it's too much and sometimes it's not enough. And I think it actually was a good amount, 10% of the episode or 10% of the season, not even 10% of the season, say 8% of the season to how this, how this situation, how this fucked up situation yeah. came to be. I think that's a good amount. Uh, and now we've got two more chunks, right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, Let's see the word. The word. And dirty. And dirty. And the next ones are caveat emptor and clean. So yes, it looks like we're following um, Eddie's very binary thinking. This would be dirty to clean. Mm -hmm. Hmm, Excuse me. Um, Yeah, so so far so good. Yes, it's really excellent. I'm enjoying it even more than the first season because I have, there's so much to focus on. I'm really, I really like Lizzie Kaplan in this. Mm-hmm. And it makes me also think that I really should watch 8th Grade, which is the the movie that Elsie Fisher kind of mm-hmm. is known for. But I don't think I can watch it because it is, I don't need to, I don't need to watch a realistic 8th Grade. Mm-hmm. That seems like torture and I don't think I am uh, capable of it. So we'll see. We'll see. She's going to be in some other things coming up. I just saw, uh, so uh, that's that's good, and because I think she's quite good as well. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's great. that's our plans. Uh, do you have any? So next week we should be back regular schedule right. uh, to to follow up with episodes seven and eight. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, do you have anything to recommend? Uh, sadly, I do not, since I spent most of the weekend in bed and asleep. And recovering, um, but yeah, no. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff I have to catch up on. There's okay. only, you know what? We completed Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We did. And I don't want to give away the ending because something no. really lovely happens. But it is an amazing piece of work altogether. And I know that um, WandaVision was very showy and had a lot of fun stuff going for it. Yeah. And this is as serious as WandaVision was kind of jokey up until near the end. And um, and it just, what I appreciate about Marvel is that it does not, sh- they don't shy away from things. Yeah, that's true. And there's an issue here that they confront head on. I don't want to spoil that for anybody. But having read some of the reviews of it from, and you can tell there's a, po- a political slant to people who didn't like it. Um. So why do we have to be preached at? Because you need a sermon. Yeah, but yes, yeah. there's so much good that happens in here, and this sort of relationship between these two characters. And I think that what a lot of credit should go to the Mar- Marvel casting agent, who's able to find these people who can spark off each other so yeah. well. They have a lot of really great chemistry between the performers. And these two actors, Anthony Mackie and... Sebastian Stan. Right. Are really good together. And they also work really well with the rest of the cast. And again, I don't want to spoil anything because there's a lovely reveal at the end. But it, it was so much... I I went into it not with low expectations, but sort of with the expectations of being a more action-oriented show, and there was so much more going on than that. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm proud of Disney and Marvel for... Doing yes. the thing, even if it's sort of broad strokes of things, uh-huh. I think it's stuff that needs to be said and done in uh, popular fiction right. outside of just black fiction or black entertainment. Like right. white people need to hear these things; they just do. Well, I, we ju- we just do. <laughs> to me, I feel like um, I remember watching. Uh, Black Panther for the first time. Yeah. And just being astounded by their willingness to go there with these characters. It was, I was startled because I'm going, you have, all you had to do was to make money from this project, right? Yeah. All you had to do is put together element A, element B, and then exciting things would happen and it would move itself along and you would make money. You could have done anything. Instead, you chose to go this route. Right. And just, Sit a person down and educate them. Yeah. 
And that, that really impressed With me. With some so, kick-ass action scenes. Oh, yeah. And everything that you look for in a Marvel movie is there. But at the same time, there's a lot you weren't expecting. And and it really... Better villains for Marvel, too. Yeah. I will say. I think that... Yes. And I, I think Black Panther had a great villain. Yes. I love that. Because he's not... Absolutely. His Whenever you're like, oh, I get why you're doing right. what you're doing. I just don't... Your methods are problematic. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. Yes. So is there anything that you want to I have two things. Two things. Oh, you're making up for me. I am. Although you definitely just recommended something, so sure. not really. Uh, the first thing is if there are no children about. What children? I don't see any. No children. There's a duck. This is for adults. It's not porn, y'all. It's Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Yes. Get over here. It's so fun. But it has Mortal Kombat ass kills in it, which the other Mortal Kombat movies, to my recollection, did not have. They toned <laughs> them down considerably. Yes. And this, you know, d- doesn't... Although we've gotten more violent as a culture in the last yes. 20 years or whatever. It's been 30 years. But uh, I do think that the movie is super fun, cool to look at, even if you've never played the game and don't know anything about it, if you like, you know, action movies, it's a, just a good action mm-hmm. movie. And the cast is really but, And good. I appreciate the fact that something that I was aware of going into it, which is, and the first couple of films that were made for a different audience, but there's a homogenousness to Asian culture. Yes. In the first couple of movies yeah. that couldn't really be gotten around given the producers at the time. And this film is very specific. There's not like a specific Koreanese, right. know, where it's they're Asian people who come from Asian culture, right. and everything's sort of mushed together. Right. Here you get a very clear idea, and it's a really fun idea considering who they hired for the parts. Again, I don't want to surprise that. I don't want to Yeah, surprise. yeah, let's not go into it. It's beautiful casting. One of my friends movie. saw a thing about the story mm-hmm. and the actor who plays a specific character, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm a little pissed that you know Right. About that, because you don't know about that until the end of the movie. Right. So I was like, well, that's a spoiler-ass spoiler article that you read, and I'm sorry. But he enjoyed the movie regardless, but I'm not going to spoil you. Uh, And the other thing is, if there are kids around, or if not, because I think it's good either way, and that's The Mitchells versus The Machines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is on Netflix. I was originally due to be released in theaters last October, and then, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, Netflix got the distribution rights. It used to be called Connected, and they changed the name to The Mitchells vs. The Machines. It's from the people who brought you Spider-Verse into the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and the Lego movies. And it's just a really fun family animated film. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's beautiful to look at. And it's totally entertaining all the way through. Right. So, and there's a queer character. Not just vaguely coded queer, explicitly mm-hmm. queer, a queer character. Yes, we, we, we um, and that's what we did for my birthday. We ate Mediterranean food and watched The Guns of Navarro. Yes. Which is a great movie. With uh, a coded queer with couple. A coded queer couple. And it was, it's so obvious. And I'm. it's uh, always been a surprise to me that people don't get that. It's like, do you pay attention to those two at all? But it's nice to see people being out in the open with it and just going, no, this is what's going on. It's not the central plot. It's not. It's a not. It's, it's not a big part. It's not a conflict. A it's not life. a coming out story. Mm-hmm. And you all, I think people. I think queer women will recognize Katie mm-hmm. as a queer character. They will right. see aspects of themselves oh, I saw that right in her. Away. Right. Not straight as hell. Um, and then at the end, there's an explicit. Right. Indication that yes, what you've been picking up on is in fact what has been happening, uh, which is way better than telling me four years after the last book was published that that that, that character was right. gay. Like that's what. <laughs> so um, so that's fun, but it it doesn't it does like I said it doesn't really feature into the film uh, plot wise. It's just a fun cool character right. and a fun cool movie. I really, uh, and I really, really enjoyed it, and I will probably a, watch it again. The conversation I had with a conservative friend back when I still had conservative friends, I don't really anymore. Um, and we had this conversation about representation and how important it was for me growing up to see other 
Hispanic yeah. or other people of my type because there was not a lot of representation. And it was so limited, it almost made me feel I have to behave like that so people will understand what I am. Yeah. I did it very poorly. And so, and I don't, to this day, don't see myself reflected, at least in American media. I don't right. see a person like me anywhere. Uh, I can see parts of me. Well, I think that's true of You're right. most people. Right. But, but, but I, I understand your point. It's just like you don't see that a lot. And so it was, it's really nice to see that there's uh, now a better idea of representation it doesn't have to be earth-shattering. He's not here just to... Re she's not there just to represent. She's also a character, and this is just part of who she is. Yeah. She's just a weirdo. She's just a weirdo who likes girls. <laughs> so that's on Netflix, Mitchells vs. Machines. And uh, yeah, daytime, nighttime, I think that movie works all the times. Mm. It's it's good, it's but but don't but do look at it. Yeah, it's it's designed like the Spider Verse movie, yeah. or like the Lego movie. It's designed visually so that you're looking yeah. at it all the time. Yeah, and the whole joke is about people looking at their screens. And, that is yeah. a big part of the thing. Yes, exactly. But um, yeah, it's worth keeping an eye on it because it's doing some really yeah. inventive, interesting, beautiful things. Right. So that's it. That's my recommendation. That's good. good choices. Awesome. So next week, episode seven. Episode 8, Castle Rock, Season 2, we got. And until then, uh, if you could, if you, if you have questions or comments or concerns or ideas for the next season of the show, we would love to hear from you. Uh, latecomerspod at gmail.com, on Twitter at latecomerspod, uh, or on Facebook by searching Latecomers Podcast. And until next week, I remind you to take your medicine and we remind you better, better late, late than, than never, never.